Welcome to the Travel Pulse Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Bowman, the executive editor of TravelPulse.com. Today is Monday, April 25th. Happy start to the week, everyone. Hope it is off to a good one for you. And you've got some future trips coming up, maybe some big summer vacations on the horizon. I know I do, and I'm very much looking forward to that. I'm also looking forward to attending the Mass Travel Conference later this week. So if you're going to be in that in Bonita Springs, Florida, be sure to hit me up. So we've got a great show for you today. I know it's a Monday episode, so make sure you subscribe to the podcast because you never know if I'm going to drop these on Monday or Tuesday due to my schedule. So, And if you're enjoying the show, please leave a review wherever you listen. I would greatly appreciate it. So like I said, we got a great one today. We'll be talking big travel news and assessing travel risks and safety in today's travel industry right now. But first, before I bring on today's guest, I want to let you all know that registration for Cruise World is now open. The annual event is taking place in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, November 2nd through the 4th. Travel advisors have the opportunity to participate in supplier training sessions, hear from industry leadership, learn from their peers, meet with companies representing every facet of the travel industry during the exhibitor showcase, and tour some of the newest ships on the water during ship inspections. To register and learn more about Cruise World's unique semi-hosted star program, visit www.cruiseworldshow.com. And now joining me on the show today is Dan Richards, CEO of the Global Rescue Companies. Uh, thanks for joining, Dan. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thanks, sir. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Yeah, so Dan and I are going to dive into uh, traveler safety and risks later on in the show and learn more about what he and Global Rescue all do. Uh, but first, as we do for every episode, in case this is your first time listening, let's dive into what's been trending in the world of travel in the last week. And we begin with the uh, top story that is seemingly all over travel in the last uh, while here is the uh, U.S. is going to appeal the mask mandate ruling. The federal judge in Florida uh, last week said it was all over. The TSA said that they would not enforce the masks anymore. Airlines came out and said they're making it optional, but hold the phone. Now we've got to see how this appeal shakes out. So Dan, your thoughts on this? How long do you think it plays out? Oh boy. Um, well, I think you captured the uh, uh, the mess uh, pretty accurately here in what you just described. So unfortunately, the messaging that we've gotten from the administration regarding masks has been all over the map basically since the beginning of the pandemic. Uh, that trend is obviously continuing uh, with the communication that we recently received. So uh, my personal opinion is, is the mask mandate is long overdue uh, to be retired. So uh, the CDC's own data actually shows that the efficacy of cloth masks uh, on airplanes and in other places is dubious at best. So uh, efficacy of masking for, uh, you know, CN and, and N95s is good and it protects the wearer, but most of us don't wear N95s uh, in any yep. environment, um, you know, other than in, in hospitals and, and uh, you know, in, in other high-risk environments. So uh, retiring cloth masks, the time has uh, come and gone, and the administration should let this one back. I agree. Yeah. I mean, there's certainly been, you know, confusion all over this for the last like two years now. So I guess it's only fitting that there's still confusion over, <laughs> is it ended? Is it, is it done? Is it not? Who know, You know, so who, who knows with the government sometimes things can take a while. So uh, I did see, though, that Delta is allowing passengers that they had previously banned for mask violations to be able to fly again. So, you know, on to Delta, uh, I guess if you, you you paid the fine, you did your time, Delta says, come on back. We want, we want your money, you know, <laughs> uh, I guess right. that's... Uh, Right. Yeah. Right. Well, I, I was actually just in uh, in Asia uh, last week, and when I flew there, I had to wear the mask, and then uh, I flew back on United Airlines, and the mask mandate came down, so the mask came off. And I can tell you what, uh, most of the passengers on that plane were pretty happy to hear that. Yeah, I, I bet. Yeah, 
I've got my first flight um, on Thursday since uh, since the ruling has, has happened. So it'll be interesting to see what the airport looks like um, here in Atlanta and uh, on, on the plane down to Florida. So should be interesting. So in other airline news, though, the U.S. airlines are forecasting a return to profitability, according to what officials representing the major air carriers have said during a series of recent investor calls over the last few weeks, uh, revealing that a positive projections uh, should lead to companies being profitable in the quarter through June. And we also had airfare ticket sales and prices reach a pandemic era record highs uh, in the month of March, according to data from the Airlines Reporting Corp. So Dan, do you think these record high airfare prices will be a trend throughout 2022? Or could it just be a spring and summer issue and maybe things will settle back out by the fall or too tough to tell? I unfortunately think it's going to last longer than just through 2022. I think it's going to extend into 2023. Um, You've got a couple of of things happening here that are having a very severe impact on prices. Uh, Number one, you've got the classic uh, uh, supply demand imbalance where you have massive demand. And over the last two years, a lot of supply came out uh, of the system. So whether it be aircraft retiring, pilots retiring, people finding, you know, air crews finding other, uh, you know, means of making a living, all of that uh, happened during the pandemic. And it doesn't just turn on a dime. You can't just, uh, you know, turn people's careers from off to on and and recruit. So uh, you've got that going on. Uh, the shortage of aircraft also, you know, again, these supply chains, and, and I'm not talking about the broader supply chain, I'm talking about the specific supply chain with respect to aircraft. Uh, you mothball them, take them out of mothballs, and getting new airplanes online, uh, that also takes time. So you've got that issue. Uh, on the demand side, you've got massive, massive demand. People are ready to get out of the house. Uh, many people have already started traveling. Uh, people are nervous. We recently did a poll. Uh, they're nervous about COVID. They're nervous about war. They're nervous about all the shocks that are, are happening out there. Uh, about 78% of those surveyed uh, among our members uh, responded as such, but n- almost 90% of them said they're going anyway. So the traveling public is, 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 is a little bit skittish, but they're ready to get out of the house and they're ready to start traveling. So we're seeing just incredible demand um, for, for travel. So that's happening. Then the, on the other side, you've got these inflationary components, which uh, you know are, are really driven by by two things. Number one, a massive increase in the amount of money that's being printed by uh, by governments, U.S. and and, and European gar- and other governments around the world. Um, so that's not going away anytime soon. And then the second thing you have are uh, fuel issues, and that's exacerbating uh, uh, costs at the margin, particularly though. It has an impact, obviously, on any industry that is heavily uh, fossil fuel dependent, and the airlines are heavily fossil fuel dependent. So as long as fuel prices remain high, demand remains high, and supply shortages exist, we're going to keep seeing these high prices, unfortunately. That is unfortunate for the industry as people you know, try to get back in, into the mix of traveling and having to deal with those prices. It's going to price some people out. We know that, but it's the nature of the beast as we're in right now. But, you know, the, the fact that entry requirements are dropping, I think, is, is definitely helpful for, for travel. And, you know, if you haven't booked your summer trip yet, you really, really, really need to get on that because you're going to be paying an arm and a leg there for uh, a flight ticket out there. 
In other travel news, though, we had the World Travel and Tourism Council Global Summit was held last week. The organization said that they re- released uh, several different releases. Um, a lot of great stuff came out of that. The, um, they're forecasting a major increase in international travel, and they're also anticipating the creation of 126 million new jobs in the travel industry over the next decade. Definitely something that's needed. Uh, travel and tourism is expected to grow its GDP at an average annual rate of 5.8% in the next 10 years over twice the growth rate of the global economy, which is at 2.7%, they said. And the industry is expected to comprise 11.3% of the total global economy, which in 2019 comprised 10.3% of the global economy. So, uh, Dan, you know, you, you alluded on this, you know, we are in a little bit of a pilot shortage right now. Staffing in all of the sectors of the travel industry really has been an issue ever since travel, you know, began slowly returning from the, the pandemic, or the lockdowns and quarantines and everything. And now that restrictions are dropping, but, you know, the bounce back really appears to be coming on strong. It's just going to take a little bit still. You know, what do you think? Look, we're in the very early stages of the recovery of the industry. We had, you know, we took a beating for two years. So um, as I said earlier, you know, these things don't just turn on a dime. It does take time to get, you know, people to get their job skills, you know, new people coming into the market, uh, you know, to provide these, these, you got to get them trained up. You got to bring people back online that might have, drifted away to go do something else and provide a living for their family. So that's going to take some time. Uh, that said, we had more than 60 million jobs lost in the sector. So uh, we have a, we have a pretty high hill to climb, unfortunately. And so again, it's, it's going to take time. That said, people are dying to travel and you know, they, they, they want to get out there. There's going to be um, some portion of that demand that's going to be expressed here in you know the the short to medium term but the long term you know but some some of those people like you just uh you know mentioned they're not going to be able to to either afford or for whatever reason because of job or family circumstances they're not going to be able to get on the road so it's going to take some time and i think that that demand ex- uh, expression is going to take time to work itself through the system so i think over the next few years we have a very robust opportunity uh, to not only get back to where we were but really expand uh, travel and tourism. And I think we have an opportunity to do it in a way that was better uh, than before. I think with people having increased flexibility in their jobs, many of them now have some kind of a hybrid sort of structure uh, with their with their employers. They're going to be able to go and perhaps travel uh, more frequently and also for longer durations and perhaps even take their families with them on some of these trips. So I think that presents uh, a, a very good opportunity. I also think that um, that people are going, uh, you know, ultimately they're going to probably be able to take advantage of falling prices because what you'll end up seeing is an industry that I, you know, I hope it, I hope it doesn't overdo it, but you know, once that supply does come online uh, to try and achieve parity with demand, prices will inevitably uh, fall, provided we can get inflation under control. Which uh, I, I, I think that's going to take time, but I think uh, again in the long term. I think it will come back under control. And I think that this represents uh, just a tremendous opportunity for the industry. Definitely. Yeah. And you mentioned you were in Asia. Were you at the WTTC Global Summit in the Philippines? I, w- I wasn't. I was. Yeah, I was a speaker uh, in the Philippines. Yeah. What was the the vibe there like? How was the atmosphere um, with, you know, the, that returning? I know that they um, were in Cancun the previous year and that was, you know, the first really big uh, event, global event since the pandemic. So now we here are, you know, over a year later, what was, the, what was that atmosphere like? Well, we were, we were there doing two things. We were, uh, number one, we were supporting the industry, um, you know, by providing uh, travel risk, crisis management and medical and security support to the conference itself. 
Um, so, uh, so we had our professionals there doing that. Uh, I would say the vibe was extraordinarily positive. Uh, you know, by and large, everybody uh, saw the recovery happening. They, uh, you know, believe that it's real and sustainable. And, uh, you know, we want to make sure that, uh, that our industry works proactively and in a coordinated way with government to make sure that the recovery happens, um, uh, you know, as seamlessly as possible. So now that said, there's still some barriers uh, out there that need to be confronted, many of them on the regulatory front. You know, we just saw, obviously, the, the mask issue in the United States uh, fall away. That's good. But we still have testing requirements, which don't make a lot of sense for people returning to the United States. Uh, we're trying to, you know, deal with that. There was a uniform call, I would say, among industry leadership uh, to governments around the world to take a really hard look at their uh, protocols and requirements and really only keep those that are absolutely uh, critical and that are supported by data. And a lot of those, you know, today, particularly in the last six to eight weeks, uh, aren't being justified by the data out there. I mean, we, if you just look at the United States, for instance, well, um, infection rates, you know, spiked with Omicron, they've been falling now for the last uh, couple of months. Uh, hospitalizations are down for both regular uh, hospital beds and ICU beds, more than 90% across the board. Uh, we have a situation now with the disease that is really much more similar to, uh, you know, a bad cold or the flu in some circumstances uh, than what it first manifested itself as, which is, you know, something much more deadly. So um, I would say that we had a great conference. I, I would say that we're united uh, in many of the objectives that the industry is trying to achieve. Uh, both in terms of recovery and, frankly, in terms of sustainability, right? We want to we want to have an industry that um, you know is a uh, you know a uh, a positive uh, contributor not only economically to the world but uh, but does it in a way that um, is is minimally damaging and, and you know hopefully supportive of the environment um, as possible. And uh, I would say that leadership is also committed uh, to making uh, those sustainability type goals a, uh, you know, a key part of the recovery. So I, I would say that the entire thing was, uh, was very, very positive. That's great. Yeah. Huge for the industry. I know that, uh, it's huge for Philippines too. And next up we've got, uh, Saudi Arabia, I believe is the next destination for their WTTC, um, global summit, which will be really good. Saudi is a destination that is really trying to push, uh, its growth and tourism, which is fantastic for, for, uh, the travel industry is a new destination. A lot of people have uh, definitely been interested about over the years and other destinations that are very popular and among travelers these days is uh, Thailand. They are dropping quarantine for vaccinated travelers in May and uh, Greece is another big one. Uh, them and uh, Switzerland are dropping entry restrictions uh, in May as well. So I'd love to see more places ending restrictions on travel. And one place that is going to be really popular this summer is Italy and Venice in particular. They've been dealing with overtourism, you know, pre-pandemic time for uh, a while there. And then we knew that they were going to implement a tourist entry fee. It was supposed to start in 2020, you know, that then we had the pandemic. So now that they're, they pushed that back and they're going to launch that in uh, June, it'll be a, a fee of around $11. So do you think this will have much of an impact on Venice? Will it really combat that overtourism? I think people will still go. What do you think? Uh 
I want to I want to comment on that because I do have a strong opinion regarding Venice. But Saudi Arabia, you mentioned oh, yeah, uh, the summit is the summit is there uh, at the end of November, beginning of December. I've been to Saudi Arabia now uh, twice in the last uh, couple of years. I was there in the fall of 2019, and I was there again at the end of last year. Saudi Arabia represents a unique opportunity for travelers, and it is an incredible destination with lots of rich history and lots of other really interesting and, and enjoyable things to do. So. Um, and it's and it's a unique time in history to go to a country like Saudi Arabia, which has really you know only been open to tourists um, you know for the last couple of years. So they didn't even have a tourist visa you know prior to 2019. So really, really neat opportunity would urge people to consider uh, adding a trip to Saudi Arabia. Yeah, and they're uh, they're going to be building uh, all inclusives there pretty soon. I know Playa announced that not too long ago. So certainly interesting times there. But uh, Venice, what are your thoughts? So Venice, so. Look, if you want to go to Venice, you're going to be spending uh, a lot of money to do it. It is not an inexpensive destination. Uh, it's also one of the world's uh, great destinations. So I don't think that the $11 per person charge is going uh, to damage their tourism industry at all. And in fact, depending on the benefits that come with the $11 fee, uh, people might uh, actually view that as a positive. So if you get discounts and other kinds of benefits that are embedded in that $11 fee, you're actually feeling like you're getting some value for your money. Number one, number two, if you believe in sustainability, you're preventing overcrowding, uh, and overuse, uh, which is great. And, uh, again, depending on what's embedded, you may even, you may end up saving a lot more money than you're spending to get into Venice. If there are significant discounts associated uh, with that, uh, you know, with that, uh, that entry fee. So I think, I think by and large, the, um, success or failure of what they're trying to do will rest with how efficiently, uh, the $11 is collected. It becomes a big headache and a barrier for people and you end up waiting in long lines or there are issues in, in collecting it or, or proving that you've paid the fee. Uh, those sorts of headaches will remain, uh, much, you know, have much more of an after effect, um, than the actual $11 themselves, because, you know, a family of four, you pay $44, uh, you know, you're going to, you're going to, that, that's going to be a drop in the bucket relative to the amount that you're going to, you're going to spend actually as part of your holiday in Venice. So I don't think it'll be an issue. And I think it could be a net positive. If they actually embed really good benefits, um, you know, in the fee. I agree. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how they utilize some of that money that they earn from that. And I'm honestly a little surprised. I mean, there's been a few that have implemented um, some tourist fees uh, since, you know, uh, post pandemic here. I'm honestly a little surprised there hasn't been more, but uh, maybe time will tell on that as people are, some places are just focused currently on let's get people in and let's get these restrictions out of the way. So that, that in time will come. Yep. 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 Agreed. So that wraps up what has been trending in travel over the last week. Any additional thoughts, you can drop me an email, podcast at travelpulse.com. So now we're going to jump into the theme of this week's show on assessing travel risks and safety. So Dan, tell us a little bit more about Global Rescue and what you do there. Uh, sure. So we provide travel risk and crisis management uh, to individuals and families. We sell a membership that's a little bit like uh, AAA or the Auto Club, but instead of for your car, it's for your body. So if you're medical or security emergency, uh, anywhere in the world, we'll actually provide uh, advice, consultative support, and um, get you referred to a center of excellence if you actually need treatment somewhere. And, uh, you know, look, if you end up getting hospitalized or you're in need of hospitalization, uh, we'll evacuate you. And you don't have to be in a hospital. You can be anywhere. We do a lot in the Himalayas, for instance, with, you know, with mountain climbers and other kinds of adventure travelers. But uh, actually, the majority of the 
the missions we do are in the developed world and in people in cities having, you know, normal kinds of everyday sorts of problems. So we also provide our services to enterprises and to governments. So we support NAF, groups like NASA and the U.S. Postal Service and National Geographic and, and, a, and a lot of other groups. So um, we do it by providing medical and security support, uh, you know, with paramedics, nurses and doctors. And we have a pretty good cadre of military special operations veterans that know how to operate when things really get rough. But uh, hopefully most of our listeners aren't going to end up in those right. sorts of situations, yeah. but uh, we're available for them if, if need be. Wonderful. Yeah. Great for the, the definitely needed for the industry. Uh, I know you guys also release a lot of different surveys and stuff throughout the year. Most recently, you've had the 2022 Spring Traveler Safety and Sentiment Survey. So uh, what are some of the top takeaways from that? Well, I alluded to them uh, a, a little, little bit, bit earlier in our conversation today, but, you know, really three really very interesting things are that, you know, number one, people are nervous. They're skittish about what's going on in the world. And that's not surprising, right? I mean, yeah. the, the world is a, the world's a, you know, a difficult place right now. Um, you know, maybe more so than it has been in recent years. So they're concerned about terrorism. They're concerned about COVID. They're concerned about the war in, uh, in Ukraine. Um, but the nice thing is, is that people are willing to travel and are preparing to travel anyway. Uh, so, you know, more than, than 80% of our responded um, members have said that they're, they're, you know, they're gone. And that's a, that's a great message. And, it, you know, I think it means that our, our consumer here is resilient and you know ready to get back out there uh the other interesting point i think that comes out of our survey is that um almost a third of travelers are going to be spending more than they've ever spent uh in the coming year on travel and tourism so leisure you know traveling to leisure destinations excuse me they're going to be doing things uh that are uh, that they haven't done before they're bucket list items there are revenge travel objectives that they've set out for themselves and their families and they're going to go do it. So, uh, they're willing to, they're willing to get out there. They're willing to face the risk. They're willing to, to spend more to do it. So I think all of that harkens positively for the industry and, uh, we'd be happy to, you know, be there and help facilitate people getting out there and, um, you know, going out and living their dreams. Definitely. Yeah. Some epic vacations are certainly on the horizon and so many more people will book as soon as that restriction of the requirement to have a test before you enter back into the U.S. Once that is gone, the phones will be ringing off the hook. The websites will be getting clicks for bookings and all, all sorts of stuff. So um, well, I, think, I think, Eric, what you see is, you know, we still are at about not only about 90 percent, actually high 80s was down this week, but we're about 88 percent of uh, 2019 volume going through TSA in the United States. And I think uh, a large part of that volume is actually international travel. So uh, once, as you just pointed out, once that testing requirement uh, drops away and people uh, aren't facing the threat of being quarantined or stuck in a hotel room for, you know, potentially uh, long periods of time, even, you know, with small children, you know, fate, fate worse than death almost, um, I think they'll be more excited about getting out there. Definitely. Yeah. And safety, as we've discussed here and you've alluded to, is just taken on a bigger meaning for travelers over the last two years. So how would you assess the risk level for travel now? What risks do travelers really need to prepare for these days? Because I can imagine Global Rescue has been part of some interesting situations, as you sort of touched on briefly. Yeah, yeah, no, we've been we've been extraordinarily busy. You know, look, the uh, you know, obviously there the risk of COVID is out there. And when you look at travelers, um, you know, list of concerns that we've surveyed, uh, you know, getting sick, getting COVID uh, is certainly on the list. 
but it's actually not number one. Interestingly, uh, the number one concern that travelers have is getting stuck somewhere, getting forced into quarantine, uh, popping positive on a test and not being able to either continue their uh, vacation or be able to get back into their home country. So that's their number one concern right now. Um, and it's not an unreasonable one. It, it is a, it's a very, it's a very real possibility, unfortunately. Uh, in terms of the medical and security concerns out there, you know, the security, you know, profile of, of the world um, is not so different than it has been in past years, other than, of course, uh, in Eastern Europe, where Russia and Ukraine uh, are at war. So that's, you know, that's obviously not a place that you uh, want to go anywhere near. Um, but, you know, even Western Europe, we've gotten a lot of questions and, and had a lot of concern from many of our clients about going to Western Europe. Western Europe is, you know, is, is as safe as it's uh, you know, ever been. And other than having to deal with uh, some of the countries that are accepting large numbers of refugees, um, which, you know, again, if you're a, a traveler on vacation, you don't want to have to get caught up in some of the, uh, you know, transportation disruptions and other things that uh, are resulting from, you know, large movements of people. Um, so, I, you know, I think that it's uh, a great time for people to start traveling again, particularly to places where these restrictions are falling away. Um, if you do happen to get sick with COVID, the likelihood is, is that you're, uh, you know, either going to be asymptomatic or have mild symptoms, but there are people who are still getting pretty sick. So uh, making sure that you have a plan B uh, that, uh, you know, uh, that you've prepared for is I think really important. So I, I think, I think the time is, the time is right for people to start traveling again. Amen. I'm right there with you. So where should people go, though, if they are very uh, safety conscious? You know, the, what are some of the safest destinations out there right now or places that are typically known for being highly rated when it comes to safety? Uh, well, you know, we get these questions a lot and people uh, ask us, well, is it safe to go, uh, you know, to country uh, A, B or C? And um, we will respond by providing information, but we stop short of saying, uh, you know, whether something is safe or not, because different people have different, uh, you know, tolerances uh, for risk. So, uh, as I mentioned, Western Europe, very safe uh, right now. Uh, many of the countries in the Caribbean, for instance, also very safe. Uh, you know, North, North and South America, lots of safe destinations there. Uh, you know, there's some destinations that you can't access because they're, you know, their borders are still uh, closed or largely closed, like Japan. Uh, you know, we're hoping to see those, you know, those borders open up again uh, shortly. Uh, places that you don't want to go, obviously, uh, steer clear of Russia. Uh, China is challenged right now. You know, they, their, uh, their, their zero COVID policy uh, has been effective in um, essentially pushing the rate of COVID infection to the right, uh, you know, on the calendar. So they're now going through, obviously, a surge of COVID infections largely because of uh, their success in suppressing COVID earlier on uh, in the pandemic. But what we've experienced and seen in many of these countries is, is that you can't, you can't stop it, you can slow it. And the people, many of the people who are going to get infected by it are, they're going to get infected anyway. You just, you, you know, you, you, you can just uh, have an influence on the timing of when they get infected. So it's clear many of the Chinese are now getting infected with Omicron. They're having a really hard time controlling it. So I would steer clear of, of China in um, any other country where it appears that there are high rates of COVID infection. And we actually uh, publish reports where we uh, report on 
uh, the, the, you know, the, the safety thresholds uh, on about 215 countries and principalities around the world. So steer clear of those that are having big COVID outbreaks. Uh, some, some countries are obviously and have been uh, afflicted with uh, civil unrest. You want to steer clear of those as well. Um, but uh, you can get pretty granular in how you research where it is that you want to go and um, whether or not it uh, is safe enough to sort of match up with what your risk tolerance happens to be. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, anything can happen anywhere. You know, I could get uh, in a car wreck or something on the way to the grocery store. I could, you know, there there are certain, yeah, when it comes to travel and safety, I mean, there's always a risk. There was always, you know, a risk before the pandemic that things are a little heightened now, obviously with COVID and everything. But I always say, you know, uh, work with a travel advisor. If you're concerned about a specific destination, a lot of these travel advisors out there are traveling themselves. So you can kind of lean on their firsthand experience if you are curious about uh, how safe a destination currently is. So that's my my key takeaway. Any any final travel advice out there for our listeners, Dan? Well, you know, we, we work with a lot of these folks to, to evaluate how safe certain places are. So um, we love getting asked those questions. We love helping people, you know, make the right decisions for them. And we've got an, a whole Intel team that spends uh, morning, noon, and night doing this stuff. So we want to be helpful to get people uh, back out on the road and get this industry uh, back on its feet, which I think we're uh, you know, not far away from being able to do. We're getting there. We're getting there. Thank we you, Dan. I really appreciate it, man. Thank you so much for, for taking time out of your busy uh, CEO life and, uh, and jumping on the podcast and talking travel, man. It was great. Thank you so much, Eric. Have a great day. Thanks again to Dan for taking time out of his busy schedule to join the podcast and talk all things travel risk and safety in today's world. If you'd like to be on the show or sponsor the episodes, reach out to us. Podcast at travelpulse.com would be great to hear from you. And again, I say... If you enjoy the show, I would greatly appreciate it if you could leave a review wherever you listen. Again, podcast at travelpulse.com is the email. Love to hear from you folks. Thanks for listening. Have a great week.